0: Yoga teachers um, and Ayurvedic practitioners discourage us from practicing inversions whilst we're menstruating. So um, even downward facing dog or obviously handstands and all of those sorts of things. And it's not because they're trying to disempower us as menstruators or anything like that. It's actually because the Vata energy is moving downwards. And if you're upside down, that energy is then moving the wrong way. So you're disrupting that flow and that flow of our blood leaving our
1: body—it's
0: mm. pretty really interesting when you really kind of look at the science and the actual reasons behind things. And then obviously they get wrapped up in the patriarchy and capitalism and colonialization and all of that stuff, and become very twisted. And we don't—when we don't understand the root, of course
1: we're going to think they're disempowering. Welcome to the Wildflow podcast with me, Charlotte Pranto, certified cycle and feminine embodiment coach and shamanic womb guide. In this podcast, I'll share my wisdom and conversations with powerful change makers, thought leaders, and embodied teachers to invite you to live cyclically in flow with your menstrual cycle instead of fearing it, to heal menstrual shame and normalize womb wisdom and period positivity and to step into your sovereign magnetic power to create and a body the change you desire to see in your world. Settle in to unleash your wild flow. Welcome to another episode of Wild Flow. Thank you for being here and listening and tuning in. As always, it's such an honor to hold this space and share these conversations with you. Today's guest is a cycle coach sister. So she's a friend who um, turns out we actually grew up about half an hour away from each other in um, the UK, Um, but we've only just met um, through our cycle coaching training together um, with Clive Baker's her name is Dyoti Dioti Chada and I've invited her on the podcast today because she is a cycle coach but she brings with her her own culture, her own traditions as a British Indian woman and a yoga teacher and um, a meditation teacher and as a menstrual cycle coach and holistic wellness practitioner. Sorry. And her um, training, her tradition is is rooted in Ayurveda, and so I wanted to have this conversation with her to hear about how she brings her her heritage, her background, her her trainings, her perspectives um, to this this cycle work, and how the how menstrual cycle awareness intersects with with Ayurveda. So this is a really great conversation to add um, flavor to, to this, this idea of working with the inner seasons of the menstrual cycle and what Ayurveda can teach us, um, what sort of cyclical framework that brings us, how that connects us to our bodies and this, um, our overall holistic health as well. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed this and I hope that you enjoyed and find it really interesting. As a new way to connect into your your inner cycles. So I'd like to introduce Dioti. Dioti is the founder of My Wellness Company, a yoga, and a meditation teacher, a menstrual cycle coach, and holistic wellness practitioner. She is on a mission to make well-being accessible to everybody as they reconnect themselves. After all, this is our birthright, she says. She does this using a range of holistic wellness modalities, including yoga menstrual cycle awareness, Ayurveda and more. And you can learn more about her um, over on her Instagram and her website. I'll put those links in the show notes. So settle in with a cup of something delicious. And um, I'm really happy to share and introduce you to Jyoti and love to hear um, what you take from this conversation what stands out to you and if you are able to connect in with your cycle in this new way through Ayurveda. Welcome Jyoti to Worldflow podcast how are you? Hi thank you so much for having me I'm
0: good thank you feeling a little sleepy but super excited to be
1: here. Oh yeah, I'm feeling a little bit sleepy too as well. It's uh, evening here in Australia and morning for you in England. I'd love to start with a cycle check-in if that's okay. I'd love to ask you if you're happy to share, if you have a menstrual cycle, where you are in your cycle and just how that's feeling for you in your body today. Um, And if you don't have a menstrual cycle, if there are any seasons or cycles that you relate to and just how you feel in relation to those
0: Mm, so I am on cycle day 12 and I'm in my inner spring still um and yeah today I'm feeling relaxed sleepy as I said and yeah, I feel grounded. We did a lovely meditation before we pressed record. So it's really helped me drop into my body. Because um, this can be a really difficult time for me, like my inner spring, those first few days, there can be a lot of anxiety. And I was definitely feeling that yesterday. But today, it subsided a little, which which is good and nice.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that for you. Yeah, I can. I can really relate to that sense in in that's in the spring of of anxiety've I've had that too for me I'm currently day 16 so I'm just on the cusp of spring to summer having a very slow buildup in my cycle and um, I'm sort of feeling that I've got a bit more energy and resilience um rather than feeling completely worn out I've had a a, a really busy few days and I'm tired but I've sort of got that capacity to to keep going a little bit but I'm not I don't think I'm I'm not near ovulation definitely not so it's going to be a long cycle I think so yeah thank you for sharing it's um it's always really interesting to hear how each of us experiences it differently and compare where we're at so not too far away in terms of day numbers but yeah, not not too different experience perhaps at the minute, but still very nuanced and, and separate and different for each of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we met as cycle coaches um, on Claire Baker's training. And um, when you were studying last year and I was mentoring and now this year, you're a mentor on the program as well. And I just firstly yeah. wanna say congratulations. And I'm so excited to have this time with you this year in, in this role. I'd love to just hear about, you know, what what you brought you to, what brought you to cycle coaching? Mm, thank you so much. That's really kind. I'm so
0: excited to work with you and the other mentors and Claire and the team too. Um, yeah, it's super exciting. Um so I think for me, like when I was so I used to be a primary school teacher before I started my own business and it wasn't the job for me um and I would just go through cycles of okay I can do this actually no I don't want to do this I want to leave and I was just having these same patterns of thoughts and I noticed that they were happening every month and I thought to myself I wonder like if my um thoughts and like moods are connected to the moon and I wonder if it's connected to my cycle and I I kind of knew that you know your moods do shift a little but not to the extent that I understand it now and I didn't really think too much of it went to India did my yoga teacher training and then as I started my business we went into lockdown which meant that all of my offerings sort of went online and I guess I was on Instagram more finding more and more people in this kind of wellness spiritual space. And one way or another, I came across Claire. Um, but before that, actually, I'd listened to a podcast and someone was explaining what Maisie Hill's book was about. And the penny dropped because, you know, they explain the inner seasons. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. I need to know more. Then I came across Claire. And, um, yeah, saw her training and was like, I need to do this. And here we are, like a Mm. year and a bit later. And now I'm a mentor, which is so exciting. Um, So, yeah, I guess on that journey, you know, I've learned so much. And also, I think healed a lot of my own kind of cycle, for want of a better word, traumas. And, yeah, I just really learned to understand myself better, which is such a gift.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm really interested in you know everybody's unique experience of their cycles and cycle awareness. And you know you're a British Indian woman, and with your um, your yoga training and your heritage and your your culture, your background. What is it that you, um, like? How do you weave together your cycle coaching? Like, how do you bring that into your Cycle awareness, your cycle practice, the work that you do. I'm really interested to hear from you about what that what that looks like. Are you happy to share?
0: Mm, yes, of
1: course. Um,
0: so for me, I weave together the menstrual cycle awareness with yoga, and when I say yoga, I mean the whole practice of yoga, the entire philosophy, and all the different limbs and so on, as well as Ayurveda. And I mean, this can look so different. So it can be practicing yoga in a more cyclical way. So I'm not always, um, you know, doing the asanas, the poses and the postures, the same every single day, I kind of feel into what my body needs. And I'm able to differentiate and to be much more gentle when I'm on my period. And go a little harder when I'm you know it got that summer energy within me um and then also like ayurvedically thinking about what I eat so I know if I can kind of adjust my diet especially in my inner autumn and eat more I guess whole foods and simple foods and lentils and rice and and those kinds of things like it's going to help me when I come to my inner winter um to to, for it to be less painful really and the same with the way that I practice yoga if I'm able to do more abdominal focused exercises and I don't mean like doing abs I mean Mm -hmm. like massaging the abdomen and doing um different asans that really support that and twisting's really good for that so any any time we do twisting asans in our yoga practice it's great for our abdomen area uh, to massage those internal organs that can also help to reduce pain um and of course everyone's different so some people are going to need more or less or different things but for me i have found that to be really helpful um and yeah, I guess there's there's so much more, but just weaving the different things together, I think it's been really interesting for me to learn the different frameworks that we learn in cycle coach, like the seasons and the creative cycle and the archetypes, and then to look at the Ayurvedic um, cycle and see how they compare and how they're similar, how they're perhaps
1: different, and yeah, it's been really fascinating. Amazing! I really want to hear more about that. Are you happy to share? I'm like super. I love working with cycles and you know the different ones that are available to us. And you know, I always encourage people to find the one that they relate to. Um, And you know, curious to hear about the Ayurvedic um, cycles and what that what that looks like, what that means. And also, could you just explain briefly (laughs) as well? Just just what a veda is um what its principle is like what it's about because um you know just if if somebody's not sure or or like not heard of it or or anything like that
0: Mm, of course so ayurveda is made up of two words so ayur means life and veda means knowledge so ayurveda means knowledge of life and I think a lot of people when they think of Ayurveda, they immediately think of food. Um, and, you know, that's exactly how I just described it as well, talking specifically about food. But it's so much more than that. There's so many different cleansing practices we can do and and so much more um, to it. You know, there's Ayurvedic massage and, and all of these things. So it really is a very holistic practice or um, science, really. And it's often referred to as the sister science to yoga, and they very much kind of go hand in hand. And within Ayurveda, there's no kind of separation or compartmentalization between like mental and physical health, rather, like everything is understood as a whole. Um, And it's understood, like on this level of kind of what causes molecular disturbance and chemical imbalance in the human body um, through our three doshas. And I guess like you could think of these a little bit as like your, your, um, your health star sign, so to speak, and we all have different combinations. And I think I'll go into the different doshas, but what's important to understand is that even if you... Uh, predominantly have vata dosha or one of them you still have the other ones within you and there's different times where different ones are more present so it's not that you don't have any of that energy because you know we're all made up of the elements that make up the earth and, and humans and so on so ayurveda really recognizes like the the gross body which is called the the sukshma sharira and the subtle body, which is the stula sharira. So the gross body includes your organs, your tissues, your cells, your hormones, and so on. And then the subtle body includes the three subtle internal forces. And these control all the functions of the body and are referred to as the dosha. Tri meaning three. And dosha, one um, translation is fault. So what we want to do here is to be in balance with our doshas for optimum health. So it's when we have like an imbalance of one of these doshas that it can lead to disease. So I think where Western medicine and, you know, I'm not saying Western medicine is bad. Like, of course it has its place and it's great. And it's, you know, it it definitely has its place. It, I think for me, Western medicine very much just puts a plaster on the problem it doesn't get to the root cause it's just like oh you know how many menstruators have been to the doctor to say I've, I've got this issue and they just want to put us all on the pill mm-hmm. and of course there's nothing wrong with the pill or any form of hormonal contraception but often there's a deeper rooted problem so we need to get to that, that um, cause and sometimes, of course, you know, we need to manage the symptoms whilst we kind of get to the root. But I think with Ayurveda, it really does get to the root. And that's kind of its focus. And it's it's very individualized. It's not like if you went to an Ayurvedic doctor, they wouldn't say, oh, you've got this. So we always give you um, this drug or something. And of course, they use a lot of herbs and in their medicine as well. Um. So we have our three doshas. And as I said, everyone has a combination of these, usually with one being more dominant. Um, And I guess this is where it can get a little confusing, but when we're born, we have a dosha, we have our um, prakriti, it's called like our genetic makeup. So for example, it could be pitta, but at any given point in time, you will have a different dosha because something else will be more dominant. So I guess to compare it to to astrology, you know, you might be born a Virgo, but of course, you know, you still have all the other planets kind of within you. Because just because your sun sign's Virgo, you might relate more to your moon sign, and and um, depending on what also what's going on around you, you know, if we're in Mercury retrograde, you might be feeling a certain way, much like if it's different seasons you will be feeling differently um mm. so like now we're in we're moving into spring so i'm just actually doing an ayurvedic cleanse and it's very much to try and get rid of this stagnant guffer energy which i will go into what all of these words mean that i keep saying okay cool um so yeah it's it's very holistic and it very much uses nature and the seasons so moving into i guess the the doshas, the three doshas that there are. So we have vata, we have kapha, and we have pitta. And vata is cold, it's light, it's dry, it's very spacious, so it's um, very much air energy. Mm. And um, this kind of is... um, it can feel this energy is most um, prevalent in autumn as well. So people um, that have a predominantly vata um, makeup, they'll be like creative and communicative lots of ideas, they'll be really quick to learn, but they'll also be very quick to forget. And they tend to have a varying appetite. So some days they could eat loads, and the next day, they just might not really be very hungry. And they're physically quite active as well so they're quite like fast moving people um and a vata imbalance can lead to anxiety um so often when we're feeling anxious there's an excess of vata within us mm. we have kapha which is steady it's stable it's heavy slow cold and soft and these people are thorough. they're determined they're patient slow so they're much slower than vata people they've got exceptional endurance and strength and they have a much slower digestion so generally speaking like a vata person will probably be have a smaller build whereas a kapha person will have a slightly bigger build naturally that's just you know their genetic makeup and then we have pitta which is hot light sharp oily liquid and it's kind of the fire energy. So our digestion is ruled by Bitta, because we have the fire of our digestion to help us um, digest our food. So these people are fiery, they're quick thinking, they're natural leaders, they're competitive, powerful, and they have a really strong digestion. So if you've got a Bitta digestion and you're, pro- you're the kind of person that will get very hangry. Like, you need to eat three meals a day, otherwise, like shit's gonna hit the fan. And that's me. Like, I need to eat my meals, otherwise, I can't survive. And I do not understand these people who just don't don't need to eat breakfast. I'm just like, what? Like, but I need breakfast, otherwise I can't can't function. Um, but obviously we're all we're all so different. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about um.
1: Ayurveda and the different doshas that we have amazing thank you so much for that it was so thorough but also really like easy for me to understand as somebody who like has like the most basic ever like you know heard a little bit about about Ayurveda and don't really kind of have you know no more knowledge than that so for me I just found that really um really useful to kind of see the difference and how it you know how it fits in and what the philosophy is you know what it's rooted in and and then with the the doshas as well you know giving that sense of like archetypes and um you know a sense of uh you know like you say it's not fixed it's like something we're born with but then it can move through and you know, it reminds me of cycles as well and as you were talking about the the doshes, I was like, no, I'm definitely not that one. And then like, oh, no, I'm definitely not that one. I was, and then you started reading the last one. I was like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then when you said um, about, um, you know, getting hangry, I was like, yeah, that's definitely me <laughs> so, <laughs> totally. I think that one's um, most like me. So, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And so, curious, does that relate to the menstrual cycle? Like, are there... W- is there a way of relating, you know, like how we might have inner seasons? Like, is that something that we might move through or how does it influence our experience of a cycle? Like, just curious if that's a thing. Mm, Absolutely.
0: So within um, Ayurveda, there's said to be three phases of our cycle. So I suppose most people listening to this podcast will be used to having four phases. Um, Um, ayurveda states that there's three and each one is related to each of the doshas so i guess in that way it Mm. makes sense so we um, have the rajakala which is uh, the vata phase and this is days one to five or effectively your bleed um so i guess one one to seven as well depending on on your bleed um and this is, um, as I said, the Vata part of the cycle and Vata governs movement. So as I said, Vata mm. people are very active and what happens is this, I, um, it encourages the downward flow of this energy so that we're really supporting ourselves in clearing our menstrual blood and all the toxins from our body. So we're pushing that, that Brana, that energy is going downwards and This is also why, um, actually, I don't know if any of the listeners might have come across this, but yoga teachers um, and Ayurvedic practitioners discourage us from practicing inversions whilst we're menstruating. So um, even downward facing dog or obviously handstands and all of those sorts of things. And it's not because they're trying to disempower us as menstruators or anything like that. It's actually because the vata energy is moving downwards. And if you're upside down, that energy is then moving the wrong way. So you're disrupting that flow and that flow of our blood leaving our body.
1: Mm. So it's pretty
0: really interesting when you really kind of look at the science and the actual reasons behind things. And then obviously they get wrapped up in the patriarchy and capitalism and colonialization and all of that stuff and become very twisted. And we don't, when we don't understand
1: the root, of course, we're going to think they're disempowering. Mm, that's a really un- important point to note. I've had yoga teachers in the past who have absolutely said like, you know, if anyone's bleeding, don't do X, Y, Z. And then other people have said, other teachers have said like, no, don't be ridiculous. Of course, you can you can do this and like, you should, you should do this. So I really love hearing from you like where it comes from, like why, and then, you know, I can make that informed choice in the class like well I'm bleeding so I'm not going to do that because I understand why and I'm supporting that that clearing you said like the downward flow clearing the energy in the blood downwards mm. Mm. yeah thank absolutely you and
0: that. yeah of course mm. and I think that's what's so important what you said we need to if we understand then we can make an informed choice you know of course if you want to do downward facing dog and inversions and and all of those things whilst you're on your period that's your choice you know but like you said I think we really need to understand the roots and the reasons why um because even when I was in India doing my yoga teacher training um they suggested that and a few of the people were like oh my gosh that's so like anti-feminist and and all of these things and at the time I didn't fully understand and then they explained it and I was like ah okay that makes Mm -hmm. sense like I'm happy to to follow that um so, much like um we're told or we've kind of learned with our um in our cycle coaching and with the the different frameworks, when our menstrual cycle is healthy and you know we can tap into it, this phase becomes a time of inward contemplation of like cleansing and really strong intuition. So in that way, it's very similar to to the MCA um, version of, mm. of the cycle.
1: Mm.
0: And, you know, we get a lot of creative ideas because Vata, again, is responsible for creative pursuits. Vata people are generally very, very creative. And it's also the time when the body just really longs to become still. We can hear our inner voice. And, you know, we can press reset, let go of what's not working for us and and all of that kind of stuff. So in that way, like, it's very
1: similar Um, to the menstrual cycle awareness yeah that beautiful spiritual practice of Mm. of menstruating and and I love that you know that reset that release the stillness the intuition come through yeah that's really interesting that it's you know and you know obviously menstrual cycle awareness is not something that's you know it's relative it seems new but it's rooted in ancient wisdom and you know I'm curious I wonder where you know the sort of modern practices come from and where its roots are but you know it seems seems obvious that ancient philosophies and traditions like Ayurveda would be you know something that would have been looked to surely for um sort of forming this understanding of our cycle so it feels like you know this is we're looking at something really old here that's like perhaps the roots of our understanding so yeah Mm. cool yeah so what's next yeah so next um we have the
0: rutukala phase which is the kapha phase so this is roughly from basically the time you stop bleeding to the time you um enter your ovulation so after menstruation the kapha is dominant and this um during this phase, kapha is a very supportive energy. It's very strengthening. So this comes into play as the th- um, with the thickening of our endometrium. And it's a time where we may feel our energetic best. We have a bit more stamina. We're able to take on some more challenging tasks. And I guess much like the inner spring leading into, I guess if you split summer in half, that first half of summer as you're kind of ovulating, it's very much the same energy. So,
1: Hmm.
0: you know, actually yesterday I was editing my podcast um, that I'll be releasing hopefully soon. And I was trying to work this new software that I've never used before. And I tried to do it a few days before. And I was like, oh, I was getting so annoyed. And then yesterday I did it and I was like, I did I even try to do it a few days ago like I should have waited till I was in my inner spring in this phase where you can take on those more challenging tasks you've got a bit more
1: patience and you're you're more willing to learn right Mm. yeah it's like that resilience and and sort of focus and sort of like you know perseverance perhaps I, I really feel that yeah
0: absolutely Um, And then finally, we have um, from the point of ovulation to the day you start your next bleed, we have the next next phase, which is the rutu viatita kala, and this is the pitta phase. So this is the phase of the cycle where um, progesterone is maintained, or it maintains the thickness of the endometrium And it brings with it all the qualities of passion and drive and sexual desire. And during this time, uh, many of us will feel a greater drive to do, to create, to socialize, to achieve. So we've got that ambitious and motivating energy of Bitta supporting us at this time. And um, it's often said that Bidta people make great great CEOs and things like that. So they're really good leaders. So you've got that kind of leading energy. And um, here is, of course, where we can enter that PMS phase. So excessive bitta can result in PMS. So acne, anger, physical exhaustion, headaches, and so on. So I guess in this phase, what's important is to try to do some bitta pacifying, um, practices and eat foods that will help to reduce bitta as well. Um, and much like in MCA, you know, this is a time where if we can slow down and be curious, we'll really notice what's not working for us. That kind of mask of diplomacy is lifted and we don't feel the need to live by other people's rules, you know, that real inner autumn energy. Um, and obviously our lovely modern world (laughs) encourages us to suppress these feelings to act normal otherwise people are going to be like oh is it your time of the month are you pmsing and all of those awful comments that we receive but actually like it's so important that we know that to trust our body's signs and to listen to our intuition because it can really create some huge shifts um so i think that's that's Mm. really important um and yeah so I think in general like in terms of the energies it's very similar to I mean obviously I don't know why we might have thought it might not be but it's very similar to the to the MCA model and the inner seasons or whatever Mm. kind of framework you want to use it's just split into three really thinking about those doshas and I guess like if you know what's at play in terms of the doshas and the the energies and the elements as well that are that are being that are more within you in those times then once you obviously really understand Ayurveda um you know we don't have time to go into it all but you can do like those things that um are going to help to reduce fat that or increase bit that or you know whatever it is you need and that's how you can really start to work with your body even more on I guess like another level
1: which is so powerful Wow. I'm really resonating with what you've said there. So I think I've identified there's some um, pita energy there for me and you know, when you said when it's excessive, the things that you described come up like, I, I yeah, I can get that. Like, you know, my skin's not great and um, the sort of energy, the my kind of, um, yeah, I guess like, you know, PMS as such, it, mm-hmm. it can occasionally feel really present for me and other times not but um you know I'm really curious about exploring the idea of doing some you know you said pacifying activities and eating some foods that can really support that Mm. that's really interesting so where if if somebody's listening just going like I want to find out more (laughs) where (laughs) where can they come to find you know more about exploring this for themselves and, and connecting with you Yeah, so um, I'd recommend this book called
0: Rutu Vidya, so that's R-T-U, then Mm V-I-D-Y-A, by Sinu Joseph. And this talks about the ancient science behind menstrual practices and goes deeper into, like, the Ayurveda, and it even brings in astrology, like uh, Jyotish, so Vedic astrology, and lots of other things. And it it also dispels the myths around, um, you know, like for me growing up, I was told I shouldn't go to the temple when I was bleeding and things like that. So mm. it goes into that, um, as well as obviously all the doshas and things. And um, you can also work with me uh, one-to-one to understand your cycle better and to to weave together all of the things that we've spoke about today and more. So my business is called My Wellness Company And I'd say the two best ways to connect with me would be via Instagram. So at my wellness company, head to the link in my bio and you'll find all the links that you need. Or of course, you can drop me a DM or go to my website, which is www.mywellnesscompany.co.uk. And there, um, yeah, you'll find loads of information. There's some blog posts. And you'll see my one to one offering,
1: which is called Devoted and all the information. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And just briefly tell us about the podcast that you are launching soon. Yeah. So it's called Decolonizing Wellness.
0: And it's all about um, looking at these different indigenous wellness practices, so things like Ayurveda and yoga and Reiki and the chakra system and so much more, speaking to people from the cultures that these practices originate from and talking about the history, the roots, how we can appreciate, I always get that wrong, appreciate rather than appropriate them um, and just understanding a bit more about about what they are um yeah so I've done a few interviews got a few more to do and it will hopefully be released in the next month or so
1: um but yeah it's very exciting. Mm, Well done I think it's such an important conversation for us to have and for everyone to listen to um just to you know have that real sense of of yeah understanding I think it's so important to honour the lineage of the teachings that we have and understand like you were saying you know understanding the reason why we do the things and have the things you know like you were talking about inversions just for one example you know like understanding the reasoning and and the lineage and the traditions and and how things can just be taken and um for granted i think it's i think it's really great and i can't wait to listen in so yeah, celebrating you, you for that. I think it's it's brilliant so I really invite everyone to to make make that one to listen to. Well, I know you've got a rush but I'm sure you know off and we could talk like all day but my mm. just last little question for you is just I want to invite you to feel into and share what the greatest lesson that connecting to your body and your in in a cyclical way your cycle or the cycles. What has that revealed to you about yourself?
0: Mm, That's such a beautiful question. Um, I think it's helped me to understand that I'm not going to feel the same every day and I'm not always going to be this productive machine that the world would like me to be. And that's okay. It's really helped me to accept and don't get me wrong I still there's still days where I get frustrated with myself but much more accepting to yeah to that fact that you know there's days that I do just need to rest and have a nap in the middle of the day or or to have a slow morning or you know whatever it may be and that's completely okay and also that I don't have everything that I do doesn't have to be for a purpose like I can just do something because I enjoy it, it doesn't have to make me money. It doesn't have to be, I don't know, going to please someone else or or whatever it may be. You know, all these reasons that we have to give ourselves to do things. It's okay to just do things
1: because they bring us joy. Mm, such an important point. Thank you for for sharing that. I, I uh, yeah, I really feel that one too. it Has been a a learning for me. So oh beautifully answered thank you well i'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast and i'm so excited to listen to your podcast and to <laughs> to work with you um as as mentors as cycle coaching mentors this year too and it's just been really lovely to connect with you and um yeah everyone go go over and find Josie's um pages and instagram and everything and i'll pop it all in the show notes including that book as well so then. um everyone can come find you thank you thank you so much charlotte this has been amazing thank you so much for listening in if you're loving this podcast and you'd love to help me spread the wisdom shed please leave a review or rating or share this with somebody who you think would love to listen in i'm really passionate about creating ripples of change and getting this information to more women girls and people with a cycle so that they can reclaim their cyclic natures too and if you'd love to dive in deeper with learning more about how to connect with your cycle and rites of passages come and join our free Wildflow circle community or choose a course and learn with me on my online learning hub all the links are in the show notes and until next time be well and go with the flow of your cyclic nature